0: I said this to somebody the other day, he's actually like one of the only rappers in history to start his career like Vanilla Ice and end it like Eminem.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Tourist Information. On September 7th, 2018, age 26, Mac Miller, The extraordinarily talented, dynamic recording artist from the world of hip hop died tragically from an overdose. And today I'm going to talk to Paul Cantor, who has written an extraordinary biography about Miller. Um, Cantor's work has appeared in the New York Times, New York Magazine, Rolling Stone, Esquire, Vice, many other places. He's a New York City born and raised writer who has profiled the likes of Nicki Minaj, 50 Cent, Wu-Tang Clan, Common, Wyclef, MIA, Suge Knight, many, many others. He has a really impressive resume from the world of music and especially in hip hop. And he's written a great book. This portrait of Miller reminds me in many ways about Nick Broomfeld's portrait of Whitney Houston, or Asif Kapadia's of Amy Winehouse in the film Amy. Um, there has been some controversy, which you may have seen, in the New York Post and Vice magazine, where Miller's family has not cooperated with Cantor in the making of this book. There's another biography that is coming, off, coming out that they have signed off on. I don't really understand their opposition here because I think... Cantor, like Broomfeld and Capadia, explores this life with a lot of compassion and sympathy and skill and rigor, and uh, it's just a really interesting portrait. And I think the parallel, at least for me, between Miller and Amy Winehouse is an interesting one, just for the simple reason that the first time I heard Amy Winehouse's voice, I think it was pretty far from my mind that it belonged to a Jewish girl from Northern London whose dad was a cab driver. And similarly with Mac Miller, uh, I didn't imagine it's a Jewish kid from Pittsburgh with a photographer mom and an architect dad. And I love those kind of surprises. And he's just such an interesting character And, and Cantor does him real justice. And this is not a world that I'm extremely acquainted with, but sometimes that's fun to get out of my comfort zone, too. So I was really pleased when Cantor and his publisher wanted to come on. So I hope you enjoy this week's guest, Paul Cantor, talking about his new book, Most Dope, The Extraordinary Life of Mac Miller, on tourist information. Hey, man, how you
0: doing? I'm great, man. So nice to see you.
1: Yeah, likewise. How you been holding up with your family with all this covid shit?
0: Um you know, my wife was just in a in a bedroom for 5 days, but um you know, it was uh yeah, I got to be, you know, full-time daddy mode for for a week. It was nice. Yeah.
1: Yes. And the book is rolling out, geez, really soon, huh?
0: Uh yeah, Tuesday, man. A lot of shit happening.
1: <laughs> why don't we start there? What uh what is happening? I know, I mean, reading the controversy surrounding this and it coming out the day before Miller's birthday as if this was some massive contrived publicity. I don't know why you'd want it the day before the birthday as if that's the great anniversary peg.
0: Um we we we're on the record right now. We don't have to be, whatever you want. Um I mean well in terms of the birthday um i mean the book is you know mostly about his life right so um you know the the some of the thinking i think was just like this is a you know a book that's about someone's life right and uh, birthdays are about life and celebrating a life even when a person is passed on we still you know usually think of them in very positive ways on their birthday um you know, so when the publisher suggested, you know, doing it around uh, this date, um, this was kind of the date that they isolated on, huh. um, you know, I was like, okay, that, you know, makes sense um, in terms of, uh, you know, actually putting it out that day, I, you know, ultimately, like it really came down to not putting it out prematurely. And not putting it out post-maturely. I think, um, you know, there was a, a strong desire to get it out as quick as possible, you know, and I told, you know, pretty much everyone around me that I didn't want to be rushed, you know, that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't put something out that I wasn't confident in, you know, vetting it, fact-checking it, making sure everything is right, you know, um, and just trying my best to, you know what I'm saying, make sure that it, it was the The best thing possible you know so um as you know right having written books books aren't like movies or even albums the date that they come out is somewhat inconsequential right um other than perhaps you know making a you know a nice first week sale you know making a bestseller list which is something you can put on a bio or an you know or a you know, a book proposal or a resume that make you feel good about yourself when you go to sleep at night. You write, You don't write books for this week. You write them, you know, for next year, five years, 10 years. You know, I got books that are 400 years old in my house. So I write, you know, books for that. I, I'm not writing it for this week or that day or anything like that. And
1: I, and I was being sarcastic just in the sense of, like, it's his 30th birthday. Like, how is that somehow... Um, an uncouth marketing ploy because it's like okay like he's turning 30 what's what's wrong with that? I don't quite understand how it's walking on someone's grave to to do that so it just seemed like a weird angle how some of the press was attacking you for that was what what I meant by it
0: yeah yeah um I think it's like look I mean we live in a day and age where you know people can make statements and so on and so forth and you know nobody really digs under the hood um to ask what's really going on here um and you know um it just was what it was you know what i'm saying and um you know it was unfortunate you know um but i understood um and i got it and i get it and um you know you can't control how people respond to things all you can control is what goes on the page you know and what you do and uh your intentions and what you're about you know um and that is kind of like what i've you know chosen to focus on so any controversies they're without having read a page right i mean it ultimately right it's kind of it's kind of um crazy you know what i mean that the, the, you know there can be a hubbub uh, without having actually seen anything, which is really interesting. You know,
1: it seemed to me there was a bit of a parallel also with, I mean, this other book, the, the book of Mac, remembering Mac Miller, and yours. It reminded me both of the controversies with the Whitney Houston documentaries and also the Amy Winehouse documentary, a fair bit. Sure. I, sure. I, I just know that with the, the Amy documentary that the family initially participated and then felt very uncomfortable with the direction the film went, even though I, I personally love that film. Um, mm-hmm. as, as I do with all of that filmmaker's work, I, I love the way he approaches it, but I, I wondered like, why is there opposition to more than one perspective on telling Malcolm McCormick's story. And I I also didn't understand, like, how do they know that there's anything wrong with what you like, you're doing exactly what you should be doing as a journalist by trying to talk to people who knew him to get an accurate record.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, about, you know, I wish I had the answer to that question. You know what I mean? Like um, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, before I even began, I went to um, a lot of uh, close people, you know, to him. Um, it was a very sensitive time. He had, he, he hadn't just passed away, right? I mean, it wasn't like I went to people today, you know, after he passed away. Some some time had passed, actually, right. uh, you know, where it had sort of settled in what what had occurred, um, uh, uh, you know. And even that, it wasn't like a premeditated. It wasn't like I was sitting there like plotting on it. You know what I mean? it was just a thing that I was thinking about. I had gone, you know, to Pittsburgh around the time that he passed, you know, there was a vigil there and um, I went and I, you know, really with no agenda, just talking to people, you know, curious, right. Um, As a a curiosity is sort of the thing that leads you. Right. And um, it wasn't until I was really in his neighborhood, you know, where he grew up that I was like, okay, there's something really, you know, interesting going on here that has nothing to do with living or dying, right? It has to do with just where you come from, right? Um, And that, um, then I was like talking to some people, you know, doing very loose interviews type thing. Not really like what I consider to be heavy work, more just just like um, reconnaissance, you know what I mean? Just gathering info. Um, you know as a writer um, I tend to take a lot of uh, I wouldn't say notes but usually like after I go somewhere I try to like write a little bit about it so while I was there I written some stuff just like jotting down what I thought you know and what some of the things I was seeing and some of the things people were saying to me and um, I would say maybe there was 10 pages Hmm. right of stuff right and um you know when you're writing right i mean you gotta like kind of follow the muse right where does it take you it's a little bit like uh you know playing the piano right um you sit down unless you're looking at a piece of sheet music you don't really know where you're going right Mm -hmm. you're just kind of searching for something um so I think, like, what ended up happening was I-, I realized there was something there, you know, that was really interesting. I was kind of observing what was going on in the aftermath. Went to some of the friends, you know, asked them how they would feel. These were people really, really, really close to them, like almost as close as you could possibly get, right? Um, you know, kind of like a, the day ones, so to speak, right? And um, they were like, yeah, you know, um, we support that um if anyone was gonna do it you know you would be the guy um I think he would be like honored to have you of all people doing it you know what I mean you have like a you know almost a 20-year career right like you know um really have a demonstrated you know uh a uh, uh, history of, of of um you know working in the space and you like you get it you know what I mean like you're not a guy who's gonna come in with like an agenda you know or whatever So I kind of started moving like that, right? And then the whole time I uh, really did want to, you know, uh, get, you know, their support and um, I still do (laughs) ultimately, right? Um, Nobody goes into writing something, you know, uh, of this nature, you know what I mean? With um, anything but, you know, really good intentions, right? Um, If I didn't write, I could have taken the stories to a tabloid or something all along right you know what I mean um you know what I mean like so but I didn't do that you know uh I really felt that you know I was working on something that was a you know a great piece of, of work it was a good piece of journalism you've I have it in front of you so I mean you've seen it mm-hmm. and um, you know like I don't think anybody could look at it and say that it's anything but what it is right um you know so yeah
1: well, it's, I, I mean, we I mentioned earlier the Amy Winehouse thing, but like there's a, a few parallels there that kind of stood out to me. One, the first time I heard Amy Winehouse, I did not imagine this is a, a Jewish girl in London. When I hear that voice operating in that space, it, it's kind of an anomaly. Um, sure. And similarly with Mac Miller, like Jewish kid from Pittsburgh is not who I hear when I hear that voice. The first time I heard it, I was sort of like, wow, that is unusual and it's very interesting. And then you have this death where it's really hard to look at the biography without looking at the ending, like through the ending as a prism to view the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, Very much like suicide. I mean, I don't know that this qualifies as a death of despair, but I mean, the the drug addiction is all through the music, all through the lyrics. Uh, So I can see how that becomes just Unavoidably controversial for family members who want some kind of—I don't know if "control" is the right word—but I guess they feel a little vulnerable to anybody else weighing in on that stuff.
0: And and they and they are right. Um, you know, uh, like I, I like when I say I understand it. You know, I do right. Um, it's it's um, that's such a personal struggle for people. Right. Um, so I tried very hard. And I think that this is, you know, in the book. You don't hear my opinion on that at all. Right. Um, you know, it's not I don't say anything in terms of even that those words, drug addiction. I actually never use that language. Right. Unless he used that language to describe what he was dealing with. Right. There's one period where he kind of like outright says that, you know what I mean, about something he was dealing with. But other than that, I let I leave it up to the people around him and the people that I interviewed, um, you know, to sort of tell that story and, and create, um, you know, the atmosphere and the stories, you know, that, you know, paint a picture but don't really say one way or the other what it is. Um, in fact, I go, uh, deliberately the book kind of starts and ends with statements about that. Right. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but, but those statements don't come from me. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, one comes from somebody that's kind of sort of in the orbit, but, but like a little bit from afar. Uh, and then another comes directly from him. Right. Um, about how he, how he feels about it. Now you, as the reader, you're going to look at that and you make your own conclusions, right? Um, You draw your own conclusions about what it is and what it isn't. And if that's the conclusion you make, then fine. Right. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to, um, I'm not saying that it it was directly related to my own life, but of course, know people who struggle with, you know, uh, different issues. And I just always feel like, you know, I don't want to be that person. Right. I'm very always have been and always, you know, will be very accepting of anything anybody is going through, you know, whether that's self-inflicted, societally inflicted, whatever, you know what I mean? Like my level of compassion for, for what a person is dealing with is beyond measure. You know what I mean? Um, So I, I tried so hard to not judge anything, you know? Um, yeah. No, I, I, I
1: didn't mean it that way. I, th- I think you are very compassionate, non-judgmental, and not editorializing. But I think yeah. when somebody has in their own lyrics after Philip Seymour Hoffman dies that like I'm what is it like basically comparing his own. Yeah, yeah. no,
0: no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there. Right. So but uh, and that's uh, that's kind of a point I tried to drill home a little bit in the book. Now, you're at a little bit of the mercy in a book of 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 um, what you can do with lyrics. Right. Yeah. Um, there is another version of this book, you know, that does not exist in a published form that has more lyrics, yeah. right? Um, you know, utilizing a lot of the lyrics, right to because the lyrics are, as all great you know uh, uh, memoirs are, right? They're great at, you know, taking something and dramatizing it, right? Um, uh, to some degree or another, the 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 main thrust of the book is trying to say what is in the lyrics and what is actually real, right? Wow. What's in an interview, right? Because um, there's a persona there, right? Um, as all famous people have, you know, there's a, a persona that you have to dig beneath, right? I'm on Twitter. I'm making statements. I'm. This is a heightened version of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I am the superhero, the super ego, right? In that moment, I have the, you know, the power of God in my hands to basically transmit any message that I think, inside my own head to you, right? Um, But that's, that's my own transmission of that thought, right? You know what I mean? Um, So when you read it, you're like, that's what he said. But is that, is that real? Like, I could go on Twitter right now and say, you know, that I lost 70 pounds, right? Um, But I don't know if that's accurate or not, you know what I'm saying? Um, So it's like, you have to kind of like dig beneath that. And in some sense, that was sort of the mission. You know, another mission of the book was like, how do you get in in an era of oversharing where it appears somebody has lived their entire, it appears that somebody's lived their entire life online What are they leaving out, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are they not saying, right? Uh, Here's a person who is very open. uh, He was very open, you know, about a lot of these things in his lyrics and in interviews, right? Some A lot of this was documented by himself. He was asked questions. He would answer it, right? Uh, I think at a certain point, he might have been a little conscious of what we're sharing, you know what I mean? And then sort of dialed that back a little bit. Right, um, so you know, it was like trying to look at that stuff, you know, with a little bit of a lens of like, what what are we what what are we not talking about, right? You know what I mean? Like, what is the thing that's not being said here, uh, right? And it, and he was actually a person who did a lot of interviews, right? So there's a lot of him. Yeah. So that, that's where that's where I said, all right, you know, we got to go to these people that are around him, you know, who are really a family unto themselves, right, um, you know, uh, not a biological family, but a, a family nonetheless, and really say, what do these guys have to say, right? And what is the, you know, element that they can bring to it, um, and, and, and what is their story, right? Because, uh, you know, as anybody knows, um, you know, it takes a village, right? <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, let's, who's in the village? Right. And who are these people? Right. You know what I mean? And let's figure that out. Right. Because that's kind of like also part of it, too. Um, You know, people don't operate in isolation. They're completely products of who they're around. Where they're raised, you know what I mean? And and the, you know, the environment, you know, that they're in.
1: I just think that's a really interesting point that you raise, though, is trying to parse the noise from the signal with this new dynamic of, of your online self and how that's curated. Cause I mean like, I've had three people on to discuss intimates of Anthony Bourdain and it's the same kind of dynamic of being like, what is he in terms of this person who's so renowned for being candid and such a gifted communicator. And yet he's self admittedly a horrendous communicator with family members. And has so much secrecy in his life. Um, you know, a number a number of other characters. I mean, I also thought kind of Kurt Cobain was very interesting in the sense of pre-internet, but somebody who projected the image, I don't want fame. I'd be really content just making great music, playing in like small venues. But then you find out behind the scenes was relentlessly calling MTV to have his videos played. And was always like forecasting himself as a kind of, Sid and Nancy with Courtney, um, and sort of a John Lennon for his era. But he wanted; he knew that um, reticence and reluctance were probably the best strategy on a certain level for looking as if he didn't want to be in the place that he was, despite the fact that we know behind the scenes how much he desperately wanted to be there. And mm. and that tension is a very interesting dynamic in his story. But parsing it out when so many people want to see him as 100% authentic, always being transparent, when there's a lot more complexity to the story, that was something with Miller that I thought, I, I really wondered how, how different it was with profiling him versus other profiles that you've done, that dynamic of how they want to be seen versus what they hide, just because in my experience, what people hide is generally a lot more illuminating than what they wish to share.
0: Right. Um, well, I would say you are. I know we when we started talking that, um, you know, we kind of jumped right in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would be my opportunity, you know, and I hope you use this, you know, to just say I'm such a big fan of the way you do that. Right. Um, you know, like uh, I, I actually, you know, have seen you do that and display that like um, the thing, you know, when you did that. Uh, I guess it was a Kindle single really with Mike Tyson. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was like kind of in in, in a nutshell, right? Here's a thing that's kind of isolated, you know, uh, an isolated thing uh, that sort of unwraps his entire, you know, mythology right there. Right. I mean, you could kind of trace almost everything back to that probably. Right. Um, You know, here's a person who, who, who is keeping, who has kept this hidden, you know, um, and it's it's like sort of locating the rosebud, right? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think that um, it's when you do it with somebody, who you know, who is directly in front of you, um, it's hard because you're negotiating truth right there. You know what I mean? In so many ways that they communicate to you, in their body language, in what they're saying, in what happens before or after the the recorder goes off or the pen goes away, Um, when they consider what they've said and they imagine, you know, how it's going to be out there in the world. Um, You know, I had something I had written on somebody a couple of years ago. Um, well, really, it's happened a, a, a few times. I, I'm really good at getting people to say, not intentionally, I'm not trying to get them, but when we get in the room, they will tell you what it is, right? They'll give you the rosebud, right? Mm-hmm. And as they're unwrapping it, they'll say, this, you know, like, this is what it's, what's going on. This is real. I want you to know. On a personal level, I want you to know it but let's not use it. Right. (laughs) And that becomes even more difficult because now you're like, we have that personal connection that is good. That Trent has transcended what we're even here to do. Right. Which is do a profile, right. You know, um, um, communicate something, but there's, they're saying, I want you to know everything that's going on is about this. And, you know, um, but don't tell anybody, (laughs) Uh um, you know, and that is, is kind of really difficult. Um, but the reason why they're doing that um, a lot of times is because their life is still in continuance, right? There's all these other things that are going on that if they were to say this thing, they don't know how, it, 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 you know, what's going to transpire. Um, when somebody passes, there's a, a little bit of a finality to that. Right. I don't even want to say a little bit. Right. There's a lot of it. Um, I mean, there's really only two stories. Right. I and mean, you know that there's life and there's death. Right. Yeah. Um, everything is about something living or dying. You know, <laughs> um, you know, when you really break it down uh, with him, I think there was a lot of, you know, things that were sort of unresolved. I remember reading a couple things right before he passed. Like literally three or four days right before he passed that didn't speak to any of this right Mm -hmm. so you actually have the persona going one way and you got the actual life going the other way right those two things were actually in conflict with each other you know what i mean and i mean this is a really deep reading of it you know but that was kind of like in my head a lot i was just like what's going on here you know what i mean like i'm reading one thing and the complete opposite thing is happening right um you're telling me you know everything is good and then everything's not good right so that was um front and center you know what I mean for me right um and uh I really thought a lot about that and as you know because you're you know a student of of great people, iconic people, Hemingway, you know what I mean. Like heavy people, Anthony Bourdain, you know what I mean. You know, all of people are contradictions. They they're going this and they're doing that, and nothing makes sense, right? And you're like, I gotta make sense of this shit. Yeah, you know, I gotta figure this out. You never figure it out, right? That's also the reason why, you know, at the end of the day, right? As much as I said I wanted to, you know, not do it postmaturely or prematurely, um, you know, you, get, you do the best you can, right? And with what's in front of you, you know, um, the thing about an enigma is it's an enigma, right? You yeah. know, a thing about a mystery is it remains that way. Right? And um, if you come away from the portrait that I painted and you say, I still don't get this, that's fine. Right. Because that's kind of the point, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're not supposed to get it right. It's supposed to leave you with questions. You're literally supposed to feel at the end, like, you know, the way you felt when it happened, you know what I mean? Um, Like it was totally intentional. Uh, It wasn't trying to, you know, unpack anything, you know, uh, or, or solve any mysteries. It was, it was to create a portrait of the mystery, you know,
1: Well, Yeah, it reminded me a bit of, uh, I'd never seen Twin Peaks in real time. I mean, I think I was 11 when that came out, but I I went through all of it uh, in the last couple weeks. And it's so interesting to me that I think the whole thing is a commentary on television. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the sense of, it's not who killed Laura Palmer, it's who was Laura Palmer. And who Laura Palmer was is explored through learning who all the people around her were, and all of the contradictions. And so, The investigation is a way of keeping the victim and her trauma and the grief of those around her that have been impacted by her death alive, as opposed to all of TV, which has no concern whatsoever with the victim. We care about who fucking killed her and who's gonna track that motherfucker down. And after that's done, and we know it's gonna get done by the end of the series or the end of the episode, we move on to the next one and we need a new victim who's just transactional. So, exactly what you're saying, I think, like, this should make people want to learn more about them. Like it made me want to learn more about
0: them. Right, 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 right. Um, man, I love that you put it that way. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we live in an interesting time period, man. Like, you know, where people literally don't think anything about that stuff. Um, you know, in terms of like, yeah, you're right. People just want to know who did the thing, right? Um, you know, they don't really think about, you know, who's on the other end of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think a lot about that stuff, you know what I'm saying. Um, I mean, I think about a lot of things. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? I wish I could I could turn that off. you know what I mean? it would be, be a much happier life. <laughs> well,
1: and and I mean, you were mentioning with, you know, his the contradictions of what he is verbalizing out to the world versus the reality. I mean, I was You mentioned Mike Tyson earlier, but Tyson's whole thing was about maintaining his stock price in terms of what he could generate with fights, right? So he gets out of jail. He's completely diminished in terms of what he can do. So it's just like, just turn up the marketing. If the product itself doesn't work anymore, that's OK. We can fight lesser opposition, but just keep the, keep the marketing up. And so he'd say, I'm better than ever. And you, you'd look at it and you'd be like, he's so good at convince and convincing about putting this out there. I mean, Trump does the same thing. A lot of people who speak with this incredible confidence, um, we just go, it, there has to be something behind it. There has to be something that they're basing it on instead of just trying to hoodwink us or hoodwink themselves, right? Like it's it's interesting, people who are unsure of themselves. I remember somebody said that about the, the difference between Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald as artists is Fitzgerald's always unsure. And Hemingway always goes everywhere with certainty. Not that's an oversimplification. There's a lot of uncertainty in his stuff too. But like, that's what we go to him for is like in the word author, we want
0: authority. Mm -hmm. And the one you should probably trust is the unsure one, even though it's harder to do. Right. I mean, that's, you know, really interesting. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Fitzgerald's Letters. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first Uh, things I did read yeah um and you know when you start reading those you know you really do see a lot of that right on the page you know in the correspondence to his daughter especially yeah yeah yeah. um unbelievable you know um self-doubt right um uh and you wonder right because he was such a um unbelievable talent right you know what i mean like um Two or three sentences, you know, from uh, Fitzgerald, like, could change your life. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and uh, you say, what if this person had, you know, what what Hemingway had, which was that delusional, you know, uh, um, sense of self confidence. Which I do think Hemingway also, if you read his letters, um, and, and and some of his private stuff, he also was very, you know, uh, doubtful right um and it was there is a projection of something that you know that projection i think takes a lot out of you right um you know telling people you're okay when you're not okay uh, takes work um i know that even in my own life you know what i mean um i've told people that i'm fine and i'm not fine you know what i mean um you know uh i've been going you know i go through things and I don't want people to worry. Right. Um, Because, because, because the worry itself makes you feel that you're burdening people and you say, you have a full life. I don't want you to sit there and waste time thinking about this. Right. Like, uh, you know, there are bigger problems in the world. You rationalize it any way you can to not have Mm -hmm. to project that onto people because it's a part of your personality where you want the best for everyone. I think that was something I uniquely identified with in in him while he was alive, and in and in doing the book, I saw that repeatedly through interviews, you know, with with people around him, um, was this this unbelievable like uh, 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 desire to you know do for other people and be like charitable, you know what I mean, and 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 like um, a champion for somebody else. But when you really need to be the champion for yourself, right? Um, but then, like, you almost can't be the champion for yourself because people might take it the wrong way, right? And so it leaves you in a little bit of a bind, right? You're like, you know, if I'm about me, am I narcissistic? You know, if I'm if I'm about you, am I not paying attention to what I need to pay attention to, right? Um, at the core, is either way leaves you alone, right? Yeah. um you know what i'm saying uh either way leaves you alone right um and so that was another thing that i think you know when you get into the book that's sort of the thing that you know or, or that i feel like it's operating on a deeper level which i try to get to a little bit you know um again i'm at the mercy of my journalism right i can't just say that outright you know what i'm saying
1: yeah. but
0: uh, but but there were things that you see that i that were utilized right just in things people said where they they sort of isolated on it, you know, um, um, yeah, without giving the whole book away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I also, but, uh,
1: I, I, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but I, but there's another aspect to him that I think is really interesting. With all of the people we're mentioning as comparatives, is they're all kind of middle class people, middle class mm. people that are not quite sure where they stand in the world. There's like a lot of code switching. Hemingway, middle class guy from Midwesterner. Fitzgerald is in a very wealthy part of St. Paul, but he's the poor guy on that block of rich people. And like, I'm a middle-class person too. When my parents split, my dad's in the poor neighborhood, but he's a lawyer in the poor neighborhood. And my mom's in the wealthy neighborhood, but she's the only renter surrounded by owners. So you're like, you know what it is, but you don't quite belong. And you quickly, people quickly find reasons why you don't belong. And so you try to find a way to, to fit in, which I think, Other groups don't feel like if you're from wealth or you're from poverty, you kind of never leave it in in some profound, profoundly meaningful way. And I thought like that was a thing that I was really intrigued by with with his story. And I'd like to get at as well is like, when did you find this guy in your life? When did he come on your radar? And then I would like to just follow up with with this project, how that came about.
0: Uh, you know, as I like, I think I, uh, you know, I, I the start the book starts with an author letter, um, just a few notes from myself. Um, I actually really didn't want to do that. Right. Um, but I did it because um, I felt there was a little bit of lack of clarity of just whatever my relationship was to the subject matter. I was somebody that was being sent his music from very early on in his, you know, career. Um, I was sitting in my house, uh, not my house, in my apartment in Staten Island, um, and uh, a publicist for a label that um, I had had some relationship with sent me a video, you know, hey, what do you think of this, right? This is a kid we are thinking about working with. I don't even know if we was in the language. It was like, I'm thinking about working with this kid, right? Um, what do you think? At that time, you know, I was in my 20s. Um, I was uh, had been writing for, you know, five or six years, something like that, seven years. Um, and I was a person in the space, right? Uh, you know, had wrote a lot for Double XL, and, uh, you know, was doing a lot of uh, hip hop stuff. So people knew me, right? They would always ask me for different things. uh, well, what do you think of this? That's just a thing people do, right? might sure. they might ask you about a boxer, right? What do you think of this guy? right yeah. <laughs> you know you're de- you've demonstrated you know some expertise and people want to want your opinion so send me his music uh it wasn't it actually even a full song. It might have been just a freestyle, and I thought, well, oh, this is pretty good, right? um, I didn't have. Um, I don't think I had as much of the stigma personally against white rappers that other people did. I really didn't give a fuck about that. Um, I I didn't then I don't now, um, you know, and, um, I just was over that part of my life where I could look at somebody the way they look and judge them based upon that. I just judge people on if they're good at the thing they're trying to do right um you know that's the thing that that attracts me to somebody are, are you proficient enough in, in in the in the thing right yeah. so um i was like yo this is dope you know and then i i kind of continued paying attention to him from there because the label started working with him they did you know seek out a few other people for advice the the the, the general consensus was this is a good idea and he kind of took off pretty quickly Right. I mean, you know, you get uh, you're in that position and you tell people what you think. Maybe one out of every 10 of those people does anything. Right. The other nine just sort of disappear. Right. Um, Because the things around them don't you know, the wave that they're riding just crashes or they're they're never able to get on the wave in the first place. But. There was a wave that was already there for him, you know, that I talk about in the book, right? I unpack that, you know, uh, I go through great efforts to sort of tell that story, too. Just so people know, this is not some guy who just got on the Internet and just blew up. Right. There there was a little bit of a path that was walked that he could walk down, um, you know, by somebody from Pittsburgh. Right. Um, and and like the system was there for him to to kind of do that. Um, I, then I always paid attention to him. You know, uh, I, I, I think I had read most of what had been published on him. Like most of the big profiles I always read, um, just cause I read everything, um, always listened to his music, felt it got a lot better. Um, uh, there were, there were things that musically he was doing that I felt like, you know, there might've even been a period where I lost, you know, some interest in him because of different elements that were going on at the time. Um, Like, for example, some of the drug stuff, Um, that stuff didn't interest me enough uh, as much, you know, that period of his life didn't interest me as much as as the joyful period, you know, uh, of like watching that climb, Um, which I think is probably even, you know, in the book, right? I mean, like, I don't really isolate as much on that, um, you know. But I know a lot of his fans do, right? Because uh, I've interviewed many of them, and they love that stuff. You know, that's the stuff they latch on to because they're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're dealing with some of those uh, similar issues, right? Um, and um, so people latch on to things for different reasons, right? We In communications, right, right? What do we call that? Uses and gratification, right? We use what... We use what we can and it gratifies us in the way that it does. And when we can't u- utilize it, we, we don't, right? Um, you know, to think that it just hits you like a magic bullet, you know, it doesn't work that way. Right? People, people use what they use. Um, so I, hopefully I answered what, what, what you asked. Yeah. I,
1: and I wonder also for you as somebody that's covered a lot of artists throughout your career, if you had to put your finger on what sets Mac Miller apart both personally and professionally from the world of hip hop? Like what would, what would that be? Do you think that, cause he, there is something distinctive that you hear almost immediately, like any writer that in a couple sentences, you know, the voice, that is a rare thing to have. And, and he has that both in the production and also just the way he articulates whatever is going on with that pathos of his
0: yeah, I think um a couple things. Um one in his early music, right? He actually has a very um, you know, West Virginia Pittsburgh accent, right? <laughs> um that actually comes through a lot. Not only in his in his raps, but also in the way he um, you know, would do interviews.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that was really you know, sort of an interesting thing to hear, right? Um, And that in and of itself is kind of unique because you don't really hear that, um, you know, in like music culture that much, right? There is like this sort of um, twang, you know what I mean? Like, and and it's almost like Midwestern in a way, right? And yet you don't think of West Virginia or Pennsylvania in that way, right? So I think that's one element, right? He kind of loses it a little bit as it's, you know, as he gets a little bit older, um but i think i think he had a definitely a very distinctive voice which is one of the things i try to tackle like early on in the book you know I, in comparison to a person like um a bob dylan right who does a completely different thing but when you're younger you you might hear your voice and think that that's a um you know uh a liability not realizing it's actually your asset. Right. Um, it's like, yeah, my voice is distinctive. I do have this accent. I do have a kind of a, a, a a way that my, my vocal tone, which I control over, right. Exists. And people are saying, don't sing. (laughs) Right. They're saying don't sing because we don't like your voice. Right. At the end of his life, he's like, fuck that. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm going to sing. If you listen to the, you know, posthumous album, Circles, you know, which is really great. I mean, he's singing all over it. Right. Um, And there's a much more of an effort to um, reduce, which is a thing that, you know, I think uh, his, you know, tutelage under Rick Rubin, you know, who is kind of a service at one point as a mentor figure to him, Rick is um, he didn't really work with Rick too much, like in terms of, music that was out like it wasn't like he had like a red hot chili peppers type album that came out you know produced by rick rubin but just being in that orbit right you absorb that and rick right is his thing is reduction what can we get away get rid of like how can we take away the unnecessary words and 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 focus on the power words right um what are we really trying to get to um so uh, Bruce Springsteen is a great example of that. And oh, by the way, all great pop songwriters, you know, uh, do this. They they work within an economy of words, right? They have a verse and they boil it down to the, to the most recognizable thing or the thing that's going to hit you in your heart. And then they kind of isolate on that and they find a way to kind of, you know, uh, 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 address it up, <laughs> so to speak, right? um and i think you can see that in you in his music you know on one end like i said more towards the end and then in the earlier end you just hear this you know a lot of lyricism he has one period i want to say it's from maybe around 2012 to like 15 where he's just like super rapidly rap you know what i mean and if you're like a really you know a, a, a big fan of 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 rap and like lyricism which he was clearly inspired by right um you're going to love that shit. You know, you're like, whoa, this guy's like a really great rapper. I said this to somebody the other day. He's actually like one of the only rappers in history to start his career like Vanilla Ice and end it like Eminem. <laughs> you know, um, like the way he was perceived early on, I mean, you could hit that roadblock and, and, and it can destroy you. I mean, he really did not, Uh, let that sort of deter him because um, I think it was really in his, in his heart to express himself. And he was, if he was addicted to anything, it was that, you know what I mean? It was like, I got to say this, I got to get this out. Everything I'm doing is about that. Right. Um, I need somebody to hear me, you know what I mean? And I got to express this. And um, as a creator, like I identified with that so much, you know what I mean? As uh, so I'm sure you do, and and many of the people who would listen to this, you know, like if that doesn't come through, I mean, if you have in an eight-year career, like 600 songs or something like that, and like another couple hundred that are just unreleased, I mean, what is that saying, right? That's a person with a compulsive need to create, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's a person who literally is bursting inside and they, they, they're not, they have to get out what's inside of them. Right. Like the um, only, a special person is like that. You know what I mean? Um, we have people, we have people who in particularly in music and there's somebody says this in the book, it says, I go to fucking recording sessions. People can't even make a song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they literally can't even get anything out. Right. Hey, like, this is a guy who like the minute you walk in, he, he's, he's, he's going, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Well, it's also interesting because I, I think it's it's rare where if you have that compulsion to create, it can feel, sometimes it can feel like masturbation. Like there's some people that are just putting endless stuff out, but I I don't, it doesn't communicate in the same way. I mean, I, the other thing I'm trying to get at is that like, I guess I've heard like Hamlet described as the only time an author has created somebody smarter than himself is Shakespeare with Hamlet. Nobody else has been, can do that. Mm-hmm. Um And so I always had this feeling when I see Hamlet performed or read it, that it's like every single thing that is affecting this person is the human condition. We're all, he, he's the best person we have to try to take on these challenges of what we all deal with in terms of to exist, to die, um, why act at all that sort of thing, like all, all of the basic sort of structure. But like, when you hear like, Miller seems to c- collide with his own struggles that somehow always seem to speak for yours. I didn't really know anything about him particularly, and yet he's able to get at basic human truths and struggles within himself that somehow are also universal. And I'm curious like how, like why that happens, because there's other people who want to be patted on the shoulder for being confessional. And you're like, but you w- you couldn't be any other way like I mean <laughs> there's no way that you couldn't be confi- that would be the challenges for you to be private so I don't know how to congratulate you for doing something that's so compulsive whereas there's another group of artists where we need them to speak for us in a lot of ways like like just like this guy's audience still is um the, the relevance of his music has only increased
0: with his death it seems like I mean yeah it's um you know like i said right i mean there's only two stories right and and you know um, and in that middle it often is where you know things get less interesting for the audience yeah. right um, it's, it has nothing to do with them right i mean it just has to do with people the way people interpret stuff you know what i'm saying um the middle portion of any book is the part where you're like i got to get through this <laughs> right, right. Um, you know what i'm saying uh like it beca- and even in writing a book <laughs> you know like you're just like how do i you know sort of make it through this this thing um and the middle is where there's a lot of gray and it, it requires a lot of thinking and a lot of commitment with pop music and rap music and music for young people all artists are up against the hands of time, right? Um, you know, a basketball player is at, is at the mercy of their body. By 35, 36, usually even a little younger now, do, based on the schedules of NBA players, the body starts breaking down, right? You can't compete at that level, right? You're not going to see too many players over 40 in the NBA. Uh, um, a boxer, say it very similar, right? Um, a writer doesn't have that problem because a writer is probably only peaking at 40, right? Might not even be there yet, right? Because it's a it's a thinking man's world and thinking woman's world and thinking they's world, right? And, uh, you know, uh, or however you identify, right? Um, you, never but know, but you never
1: know, but you never know. There are many artists that have their big, they blow their wad with their first and they spend the rest of their life chasing it. And you're like, Wow, like a Rambo or a Salinger, walking like a walk-off home run with what their project is, and just being like "fuck you, I'm out," oh. and it makes everybody else who hangs around forever chasing the dragon of what they've accomplished look sort of pathetic,
0: in a way. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it does, right? I think the thing with a person like not to get too off off the subject, but like a Salinger, um, you know. I think that somebody like him, I, I I might be reading too much into it, you know, but I think that he really kind of um, isolated on the the um, the uh, meditative qualities and the spiritual part of writing that has nothing to do with putting a book out, finishing things, starting things. Where does something end? Where does something begin? there is no beginning or ending. It's just, it's just thought on a page, right. That's, that's happening. And the, the, the act alone, you know, is as close as you're going to get to the breath that comes inside of you while you're sitting in silence. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't think, I, I don't imagine that he did. I actually think he probably was like, I don't, I fuck this book. Right and was like, saw probably some of the things that were happening around it. Cause he, he even in interviews with him, right? Um, what's his name? Uh, who did the, um, the, the Salinger doc? Uh, Shane Salerno. Shane Salerno, right? He has somebody say that, you know, in, in, the, in the thing, you know, when, a, when he gets approached, he says, I'm not what you think I am. I'm a fiction writer. You know what I mean? Like you've projected onto me something that doesn't exist. Right, based on something that I created, right? But that's not it, right? You you've internalized something. Um, so, to go back to um, to you know somebody like uh, Mac, um, you know who I think he was actually you know after that initial success, which he probably was chasing like a Salinger, right? Or any you know person who chases anything. You know, you're you're after something that says that you're here. You want to be validated, right? Um, I've been after that myself, right? At different times in my life, based on something deeply rooted in you know, in a childhood or even in an adulthood, a rejection, um, a girl who 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 cheated on you. You know, sometimes these things are so trivial that they're like they're almost cliches you know you got bullied you know whatever it is right you're fighting back against that thing that your whole life more or less right until you realize that it doesn't even matter right like and i think that that was kind of a comfort you see in him at a certain point you know definitely in the last couple years of his life it was like dude i i i I need to be in the Salinger space. You know what I mean? Like this ain't about having a number one record, right? This is about having the right record, right? That people feel and saying what's in my heart and not what people expect me to do. Um, You see in the book that unbelievable chase, you know, for um, a number one record. Gets a number one record, it's like totally not the thing that, that, you know, was, we you know, that he thought it was gonna be, right? In fact, it's like, you have to completely pivot, right? And then it's like, maybe I'm okay with being number three. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe I'm okay with being number four. Maybe I'm okay with not even being on the list, right? You know, but you're always struggling, right, with that. Well, and
1: and he had that quality too, that I think is one of the definitions of a great recording artist is when he's happy, you're instantly happy listening to his music. When he's sad or, or contemplating the, the kind of darker areas, he takes you right into yours. Very few, except like the greats, are able to do that. Singing, for example. I remember like, I think, I think Elton John was saying that about George Michael, is just kind of like, he could make you feel whatever he wanted to feel just based on... What he's putting down on the page and performing, and Miller has that. I'm not like a huge hip hop fan, but Miller certainly has that quality as a lyricist, and also just giving an instant injection of a mood, and it and it it, it can feel really good or it can feel go darker places, and that that's rare.
0: For sure, and um, you know, I think also some of it too is, um, you know, and I, this is like at different ages, you respond to music in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, the things that light up your pleasure centers at, you know, say 35 are much different than at 25, right? Based on all kinds of, you know, biological shit that you, you has beyond your control. You know sure. what I mean? Um, even, you know, uh, so I think that, you know, a lot of um, his early music, You know, it's hitting on the triggers of, you know, um, late teenage life, you know, early 20s life, a lot of, um, you know, just, 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 I mean, and I talk about this in the book a lot. Some people have this, like, this innate quality, right, that it's just that X factor, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no rhyme or reason to, you can't explain it, right? I couldn't, you know trying to explain why someone likes something or reacts to something is trying to explain the sunset, right? Like, you don't know why you want to look at it. It's just a magic. Right. Um, And that is kind of the thing that, you know, sort of isolates why, you know, people can work with the same producers. You can have the same, you know, songwriters, but not get the same record because, you know, going in and doing it is like a magical thing right um um like sometimes when you're writing right you do you have that something's just happening and it's coming through you and you're like it's here you start fucking with it and editing it it's like this don't feel the way it used to feel you know what i mean um so yeah i mean or even you know i think about you know a lot of it in terms of boxing a lot right you know um When you get in the ring, all bets are (laughs) off. You know what I mean? Like you take one step this way, it goes this way, right? It's a complete game of chance, right? Um, You know, there's things you can do to prepare, but it kind of, you know, like all the prep doesn't do anything when you're you're there. It's the same thing when you step up to a microphone, right? You know, um, there's something about the way you're going to transmit those words, you know? And um, I think like, that was something you know you could see, in 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 you know a lot of his songs, right? It was just like this one is just magic, right? I don't know how the hell he did this one, but you know it came out right, and you just got to leave it alone. Like he has this song um, that a lot of people like from his early career, "Knock Knock," right? Everyone talks about that song. That's just one, and I talk about it in the book. That's just one where you just know when you hear it, you're like, "This is it," right? you know, you know like this just feels right. Everything about this is right. The levels are right. The lyrics are right. The delivery is right. The beat is right. You know, the way the sound is coming out of the speaker is right. You know, Um, and just just don't touch this. You know what I mean? Like, just leave it alone. Because if you change it, it's going to get fucked up. And you hear that, you know, like you go on Spotify, you can listen to six versions of one Motown song, right? And five of them sound not that great. But that one version that's probably the original version in mono just is like magical. You're like, uh, you know, you guys should never have remastered this. (laughs) Right. No,
1: and and it's interesting just on a basic level. I always think about the human voice is not part of us. It's created inside of us, but it's not part of us. And the number one fear people have is public speaking. And I would imagine singing would be exponentially more threatening to do. Like, I mean, just from uh, American Idol or X Factor, we're watching people go up there and this is the moment to audition to to be something big and almost none of them can get even more than 10 percent into putting their life behind their voice to present who they are and their relationship to the material and because they've elected to be there we feel okay when they get slammed or they're terrible
0: i mean totally um, yeah no that you know it's I think people have a perverse, you know, uh, uh, enjoyment in, you know, in other people's misery. Right. Um, you know, and that was also like part of you know, you asked earlier, like how I kind of, you know, really what I was really trying to do or why I did it. Yeah. I really like, was just trying to get beneath like what, what I almost saw like a tabloid version of, of who this guy was. Right. You know, um, I felt he was a lot more than what, you know, when, when somebody passes in that way, they get reduced to that, you know what I mean? In a sense, right. They get reduced to their ending, you know, as opposed to how they started, you know, and like, you know, Kurt Cobain, right. You you mentioned him. People like, you know, I, I feel like the foundational elements that make, Kurt Cobain get to that point are as interesting as that point itself, right? Oh, yeah. But people, But people isolate on that point because they're, they're maybe at that point, right? And they say, like, Kurt did this, or he felt like this, or he was dealing with this, and there's a lot of mystery there, right? And you're kind of like, you know, what do we do in therapy, right? We start, <laughs> kinda, we start, we start unwrapping. We say, okay, you're here but how did you get here, right? Um, like, let's sort of start picking it apart. You know, and, and writing is, you know, a biography is not necessarily about that per se, you know, but, um, you know, it, it, there there are elements of it there, right? And um, oh, yeah. yeah, so I, I just thought there were so many aspects of his character that were being lost. There's just one thing I, I I really love in the book, that thing where, here you got this white guy in hip hop just being kind of, you know, the positioning of him is you know, he's a culture vulture or whatever you want to call him. He's got the guy, right, his hometown guy on the road with him, a real, you know, a yinzer, right, that's a Pittsburgh thing, you know, says the N-word, <laughs> mm-hmm. right, right? Here's every opportunity, right? Um, Morgan Wallen, right? Country star is in the same position, right? A couple of months ago, right? Has a big controversy over this, right? Gets caught on the ring doorbell, saying the N word with his friends, right? It kind of goes away. He's actually one of the highest selling artists in the country now, right? Here's a person in the same position, sees somebody do it and is like, you got to go, right? you got to get out of here, man. We, we got to, you know, you're not, I can't fuck with you anymore. Right. Like that moment alone shows you a lot of what this person stands for. Right. Um, you know, because this is somebody, you know, who he knew well, right. You know, it was a, a, a you know, friend, right. And he had to get rid of that friend because that friends, you know, did something that was that he didn't, it, it was against his, um, moral constitution, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah.
1: Well, I just find it so interesting when you I, I mean, I love biographies that to me it's my candy in it like in terms of intellectual food. And there's the assembling of a life is what you're doing and, and the reassembly of a life at the same time. But like you mentioned Kurt Kobe, I remember somebody putting him in the context for me. I think it was Gus Van Zant when he was doing that movie that was sort of an echo of the real life. And one of the things he said is all of the music of Nirvana is indigenous sounds to Kurt. It's, it's logging community. My grandfather was a logger. It is the guitar sounds like a chainsaw and the drums sound like falling trees. And if you're somebody that has been around that, which I haven't a lot, but like my parents, my dad did all the time. And I was with my grandfather cutting down a few trees. I was like, Oh my God. I never thought that it's a screaming baby with the backdrop of falling trees and chainsaws and you get nirvana In, in a way like a primal kind of scream. And I really thought you did a great job with this, just assembling somebody that was totally foreign to me. And yet I found it completely enveloping. So just last question is just what do you what do you expect to happen with this? Where is this headed in your mind when it's coming out in only a a few days what like yeah three
0: days (laughs) um i'm you know it's a good question i'm not really sure you know um you know the writing is um i never want to make it about myself right you know what i mean like i i find that that to be a little like I don't know, cheap or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm still here and and um unfortunately he's not. So it's not about me, you know. Um I I just hope that, you know, people kind of read it and, and they they get a deeper understanding of who he is and the things that made him and and some of the things that unmade him, right? Um, you know. I've always been fascinated, as a, as a, a many people are. It's an American fascination, you know. Historical fascination, you know, between that line between madness and genius. What do you do, and what does it do to a person when the thing that you know gives them their superpower is also their kryptonite? Yeah. Um, and this book, in his story you know, and everything that went into it and even the things that are going on around it now are all part of that. Um, You know, uh, the story never ends, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even what we were talking about in the beginning is kind of part of the story if you're really looking at it, right? Um, You know, there's some element to that that, you know you could do a deeper reading on I'm not the one to do it (laughs) you know what I mean but but um you know like it's uh so I hope people you know um take you know take it for what it is and a lot of it was um you know somebody read it and um they really didn't have a lot of familiarity with him um really almost very you know almost nothing you know other than maybe me talking about him And they said, the the first thing that comes to mind when I think of him, unfortunately, is drugs. Hmm. They said, you know, probably because of how he passed away. They said, this book made me think that he was so much more than that, right? Um, That there was so much there. um, And, you know, like you really, you know, sort of brought to life um, you know something some element so much so many deeper parts of who he was um, you know and uh, that I think is if people can come away you know with with that takeaway right and I I feel like I did the best I could you know um, uh, so I hope people check it out um, I just tried the best I could man like as you as you know so well man like you you go in and you know you you know you fight the fight that's inside of you, right? And uh, you just you just kind of like let it go where it needs to go. Um, so if it goes somewhere you know good, um that's that's great. If it goes somewhere bad, that's also great. You know what I mean? Like um it's just, yeah, that's that's life.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the other thing people don't appreciate who haven't done this is you work with what you get as well
0: so totally. um, you know,, uh, yes right um nothing right that i do right is gonna change the reality of the situation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean which is that he's passed away right you know um but i do think that it is important you know to contribute to the building of a you know a body of knowledge right whether you know that's through a book or other things right documentaries you know what are we talking about we're talking about, you know, the desire to go in and ask questions, to think deeply and critically, you know, to look at somebody who created something and 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 wonder about them and say, what else? What, what was what else is here? Right? I want to know more. Right. The entire, you know, generation we live in is built upon I want to know something. What is Google? I need to know, I need to figure this out, right? What is the answer to this question, right? So with this book, it's like you either have, you either want to know or you don't want to know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and if you want to know, it's there, you know, I, to the best of my ability, I put what I could into it, you know, so you can know more. And if you don't want to know more, then you can be one of those people too, you know what I mean? Uh, but I did the best I could you know, as, as anybody who goes in and paints a portrait, you know, they try to do, you know, the best job they can. And they, uh, that's it. You know what I mean? Um, So I tried. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You did really uh, good.
1: You did really good with this one. I you know, the first one is always hard too. So I look forward to seeing who you're going to tackle next down the road.
0: I mean, you know, I'm open to things, man. Like, I don't know what that's going to be, you know, Um, you know, trying to figure that out. It's a big question. You know, there's definitely people in my ear about it, you know, but um, I don't know. Like, I, you know, when I commit to something, as as I know you do as well, um, you know what I mean? It's one of the reasons why I was, uh, you know, so grateful to talk to you about this, right? Is Because, you know, um, when you go into something, I mean, you commit to it fully, right? You're in it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and you don't want to commit to that thing unless you can really get into it, you know, and 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 really be in that world, you know, 100%, right? And it takes so much out of you, you know, um, unbelievable emotional and intellectual labor, right? Um, and then there's things that are happening that are even beyond your capacity. You have no control over that have nothing to do with you that are that are you know things that you also have to deal with um, i'm sure um who was what's his name uh who made the anthony bourdain doc it starts with an m yeah morgan um, morgan yeah Mor- morgan neville morgan neville right right i have you know <laughs> i have no idea the level of you know Emotional labor that guy was dealing with, you know what I mean, and also, um, uh, his assistant, right, who put out the book. Um, yeah, I had I, her on, I had yeah, her on, I not long. You, I, I, man. You have the best guess, bro. It's out of control. Uh, you know what I mean, like, oh, she's you, great, she was you great. You know what I mean, like, like, you have quite possibly, uh, like, um, a, a genius level, uh, a, a podcast on like, on just people who are like elite level storytellers you know what i mean um there's so many gems that i picked up listening to it um you know um yeah it's like um well,
1: we're moving to patreon after that endorsement it's fifty dollars a month I mean, it's
0: gotta, it's, gotta be. it's gotta be man um you know what i mean like um yeah like there's a couple of things you know that were just i mean that episode you know about the muhammad ali doc was um was just crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not gonna get that. We that's like a master class, right? Uh, you know what I'm saying on um on just doing this, you know what I mean? And what the people who are involved in it are doing. Um, and it's really you know, um, I'm just trying to learn more, you know. Like I read a lot of um, you know, before I did this, I read a lot of biographies. I was trying to learn as much as I could. I never wrote a biography before. So I was consulting anybody that I could get to, you know, to, to ask them questions like, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? Right. It was like, it wasn't like I could just make it up to be (laughs) honest. Nobody was that all that helpful, (laughs) Um, you know, like they were helpful in the context that they could be helpful. But what I realized is that, you know, every one of these things is kind of its own adventure, right? Um, it, It is a life of its own there's no format for doing it right um and you kind of have to like figure it out you know um so i do look at other people though like who are doing these docs and these books and they are dealing with like heavy emotional you know um stuff because they're they're carrying that story but they're really carrying the story of a lot of the people that are around those people. You know, when somebody goes in and does a project with Anthony Bourdain, they're not carrying Anthony Bourdain, right? He's just one part of it, right? And he is the main part. But you're, you're carrying the stories of all the people who made Anthony Bourdain who he is. And then you're carrying the stories of all the people who project onto Anthony Bourdain, you know, all that he that he is, right? And in the end, right, you can never bring that person back right you can only hope that in those moments that the person is with it that they feel them again you know and they're like i remember that it, it 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 connects to something deep inside them and they say you know he said this one thing on this episode or he was here and i felt seen you know what i mean um or he did something, he went to this place and I'm from there. So like he went to New Jersey, you know what I mean? And like, nobody spot shines a spotlight on New Jersey. Right. And like, and like, that's why I, you know, I, uh, I love this person. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like what you're going for. You know what I mean? In some sense. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, that's the only thing you can do, but that's a very unique quality. Right. It, it, it all relates to, you know the sentence and the um, and the image that you create. You know, and you're just trying to do the best you can.
1: Yeah, great job on this. Really fun to finally, folks, well, sort of be face to face. Not quite.
0: Thanks, man. I, I uh, thank you so much for doing this. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Talk soon. All right, later.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tourist Information. The producers are George alarcon Swaby, and myself, Bryn Jonathan Butler. Please subscribe or rate the podcast. It helps us to keep bringing them out. Thanks again for listening.